0: Remember those pandemic benefits? The federal government spent $210 billion in total. And now we're finding out that there's a chance around $30 billion of that shouldn't have been given to people and businesses in the first place because they were ineligible. That's according to a new report from the Auditor General. It also says that the government is doing a poor job of getting that money back. Today, the Globe's Deputy Ottawa Bureau Chief, Bill Curry, tells us what we know about where the money went and why billions of dollars are at risk of going uncollected. I'm Manika Raman-Welms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Bill, it's great to see you again. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Manika. So before we get into these billions of dollars. I think it's just worth reminding people what this money was a part of. What were the benefit programs that we're talking about here?
1: Yeah, definitely. So this is the Auditor General looking at a really unprecedented uh, time where the Canadian economy was largely frozen and the government stepped in to protect people from, if you're a business, protect you from going bankrupt or if you're an individual from uh, you know, going deep into poverty. So it went through a lot of different names. So people might know some of the names and not others. Uh, CERB was the the one that right off the bat, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. People uh, pretty much know what that one was. That went to individuals who, uh, if you've lost your income from COVID or because you had to take care of somebody due to COVID, that was uh, that was available. And then uh, there was also programs for businesses and that was called the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy. And that went directly to employers and that premise of that program was to help people uh, help business owners keep their staff on payroll you know there's a lot of different offshoots of these programs but essentially it was 200 billion a little over 200 billion in programs of which about half went directly to employers and then the other half went to uh, various programs directed at individuals like CERB and and others
0: okay so over 200 billion then we're talking about a significant amount of money it's a huge amount yeah how long did these programs run for
1: So it was early 2020 is when they started, and they weren't really phased out until about uh, the middle of 2022.
0: Hmm. So let's talk about this report here. So on Tuesday, the Auditor General, Karen Hogan, released this report. And I want to get into the monetary amounts and kind of break this down. What did her report find here, Bill?
1: Well, I think what's interesting is that um, she looked at the basic premise or the promises that the Liberal government made in the early days, which was look, this is a big problem, it is immediate, we need to act now, and so we're going to do something a little un- unusual here. We're going to f- you know, flow billions of dollars out the door with very little in terms of checks and balances. We're going to take people at their word. If you qualify for these programs, as long as you sign an attestation saying, you know, yes, I meet the criteria, we're going to give you the money. But there was also a very big caveat to that, which they said in the House of Commons at the time when they announced these programs is, We're going to double check later on. So if you falsely claim that you meet the criteria and you get the money down the line, whether it's a year or two or three years from now, somebody's going to be knocking at your door asking you to repay that amount. The big summary of the report was, yes, the government did a very good job on the first part, getting the money out the door and uh, preventing the worst in terms of big spikes in poverty. But she says the promises in terms of double checking are really falling short and she's uh, concerned that there's, they're going to run out of time and as ultimately there are some deadlines to apply that to apply to these programs. And if they don't get the money back by a certain time, they're going to have to start reporting this in the public accounts as just written off, which means hmm. taxpayers never got their money back.
0: And when we're talking about collecting the money, so this is ineligible people collecting the money or ineligible businesses who didn't qualify for these programs collecting the money, uh, and the government now trying to recoup those costs. So, yeah, so what what did we find there?
1: Right. So she found that there's about uh, $4.6 billion that is clearly ineligible that went out to workers and businesses. And then what was particularly interesting is she found a further category of t- over 27 billion that she says that at first glance it looks ineligible. Um, she didn't quite have uh, enough research to be able to say definitively whether that was the case, but she said at the minimum that 27 or so billion should be investigated. And then she found other examples on top of that that uh, she also flagged, but she didn't have enough information to, to say definitively what it was.
0: OK, so it sounds like there could be over $30 billion in these kinds of payments here that, that went to ineligible recipients. Can you just break that down for us, Bill? What would have made them ineligible?
1: Ineligible essentially means that it, it doesn't meet the criteria. So for the payments to individuals, you had to have essentially lost all of your income to qualify. Uh, you also have had to have had some income in the previous tax year, um, like $5,000. And that was just to to essentially um, weed out people who essentially were not in the workforce to begin with. And so they were not eligible. And then for the business side, which is particularly interesting, is you had to show if you were a business owner that you'd had a steep drop in revenue or profits as a result of COVID. Um, What the Auditor General report says is there was about over 15 billion in payments to employers that it looks like they really didn't have much of a revenue drop at all.
0: And, and the biggest chunk of money went to the, the CEWS program, which is that, that wage subsidy program for businesses that we're talking about here. It was, it was over $100 billion that, that went to businesses. And Bill, I know that when you and other Globe colleagues looked at this report, you found something kind of surprising here about the info that the government collected in order to determine whether a business qualified or not. What did you find here?
1: So what was interesting here in the Auditor General's report is she said the government really failed to collect really important data that would allow her or anyone else trying to review the effectiveness of this program to determine whether it was good or bad in achieving its goals. And you know, two specific data points that she identified, she noted that the employers were not required to provide the social insurance, social security numbers of their uh, employees. And so as a result of that, the government doesn't really know if an employer... Uh, laid off people or hired people or maintained staff as uh, as they were receiving the wage subsidy. And then from another point, she says that um, the Canada Revenue Agency could have looked at you know throughout the year, a business has to submit sales tax data to the government to give uh, that would have provided a little bit of a of a sense of how a business is doing. And you could have used that to cross reference whether a business really is having a steep drop in revenue or not. The Auditor Journal says that was not done. It should have been done. And as a result, we've got a situation where potentially more than $15 billion went to companies that didn't, on the face of it, meet the criteria. And we actually don't know you know, over the $100 billion or so that went to this program whether it was successful in keeping people on payroll or not.
0: So This is a really interesting and, and important point here because it sounds like if this kind of was done at the start, it would have been a lot easier to track now. But because it wasn't done, we're kind of we're kind of left in the dark a little bit, unable to see where this money flowed. Uh, this was one of the the few red flags I think that that you noticed in this Auditor General uh, report, Bill. Uh, can you can you tell me about some of the other ones? Because I I understand that some money actually went to, to to dead people. Is that right?
1: Yeah, there was an interesting section in the back of the report. Where the auditor general says uh, there's are some areas it's not included in the 27 billion because she couldn't get enough information to really understand what one happened what happened there but she wanted to to flag it for the government to to look into it further and so some pretty interesting examples there so you know among them uh, for the Serb she said you know over 190,000 people received that payment. Who appeared to have quit their jobs. It was not supposed to go to people who quit their jobs. It was people who couldn't work because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Then there was other, uh, there was um, 6.1 million that went to people who were in prison for the entire time that they were receiving the benefit. As you mentioned, there's 391 dead people who received uh, a combined 1.2 million. And then she also suggests the government might want to take a look at uh, 2.2 million that went to 434 uh, children under the age of 15. So uh, how they applied successfully for CERB is uh, a question that the auditor general could not answer, and thought the government should be should have to explain.
0: Wow, very interesting there. Uh, just out of curiosity, Bill, how does the auditor general get get these numbers that she's working with here?
1: It's a very large shop, the auditor general's office, and it has a significant budget, so it can do a very thorough job and get access to information that uh, journalists or the public don't have. What I found interesting in this report is is normally in the back there's a series of recommendations and then the government responds to each of them. And almost all the time they agree. But I think it's important to note that this was unusual in that in the document they only partly agreed to the main findings of this report. The The government really questions that number, that the, there's $27 billion or so that, that needs to be investigated. They don't think it's that high. And they also question whether it would be worth it to spend the extra money that would take to go after these individuals. Um, so if the CRA is saying it's not worth going after every single penny, the Conservatives would like to see at least an estimate, like show us the numbers here, how much would it cost, you know, how many people would you have to hire or, or devote to chasing down this money, what would be the cost to collect it and then, then the Parliament could determine whether that is a... Uh, Uh, the right thing to do or not. But uh, obviously this is a a sensitive topic for the government because it was a big uh, part of their response to the the pandemic. They argue that they are on the case, that they are already recouping some money and the amount that goes uncollected is going to be a lot smaller than what the Auditor General is warning about. Hmm. Um, The Auditor General was asked about this later and uh, she says she stands by our numbers.
0: We'll be right back. Can you maybe put these numbers in context for us a little bit, Bill? Like, according to this report, the government may be out more than thirty billion dollars. It's kind of uh, hard to fathom this this kind of money. I think, right, for these of us, those of us who aren't dealing with this kind of money on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and if we combine the ineligible payments uh, and the amount that the Auditor General says need to be investigated, thirty billion dollars is about fifteen percent of the total COVID benefit money that was distributed. Can you put that into perspective for us? Is, is that a lot? Like, in terms of a big program like this? To See fifteen percent um, be be questioned in this way. Is that significant?
1: <laughs> I mean, I cover budget, so any any number during the period of uh, twenty uh, of, of COVID is is a lot. I mean, the, we had a deficit of three hundred twenty-seven billion, so that was uh, unprecedented. Uh, the the size of the federal debt grew above tr- one trillion. So there are a lot of big numbers that uh, flow from the pandemic response. The only thing we really have to compare it, and it's a fairly small comparison, is is the 2008-09 uh, financial crisis. And there was a roughly about a $50 billion stimulus package that the conservative government uh, approved in response to that. And they took a different approach uh, and went through, uh, essentially focused on infrastructure, what they called at the time shovel-ready projects, and people who uh, would probably remember the signs, blue and green, um, Canada Economic Action Plan billboards Uh, went up across the country. uh, (laughs) And that actually triggered three Auditor General reports after the fact, and they were largely positive, but there were... You know, certainly whenever you are uh, sending billions out the door in record time, there's going to be mistakes. Uh, you know, people might remember there's questions about uh, uh, Tony Clement was the Treasury Board Minister in the Perry Sound area. And there was, he, you know, he got a nice new gu- gazebo in his riding. So there were stories like that about, uh, about uh, you know, questionable spending, um, projects that didn't get built fast enough or uh, on schedule.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, So, like we were talking about here, the the government distributed this money without doing the usual checks, but this was done in order to get the money out the door fast, to get it to people. Because it was a pandemic, a lot of people couldn't work, businesses couldn't operate, so they needed something. What would have been the alternative if if the government didn't do this?
1: Well, I think we would have had a very significant spike in poverty in the country and the Auditor General uh, points that out. So, in terms of things that the government would want to highlight from this report, that would be the the main one, I think. It also talks about some of the economic uh, downsides, which is it did have a negative impact in terms of uh, labour market, the availability of workers for um, businesses. As, as they reopened and tried to hire staff, uh, they found a harder time finding workers, um, in part because of these benefits like CERB and you know, business leaders were saying at the time that these programs were acting as a disincentive for people to go back in the workforce, and the Auditor General essentially agreed with that.
0: I want to ask you about other other ne- potential negative impacts of this. On Wednesday, the Bank of Canada raised interest rates again, uh, which is the seventh rate hike this year, and we know this is because the bank is trying to to fight inflation. Uh, and of course, pumping money into the economy, like the government did during the, the during the pandemic, uh, that can increase inflation. We know that. So. What do we know about the impact that these COVID benefits had on on the current inflation that we're experiencing now?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. We had a really interesting report earlier this week from Scotiabank, uh, which has some economists who used to work in the finance department. So I always uh, pay close attention to their reports on these matters. And and they really looked at that question of how much of the current uh, spike in inflation is attributable to domestic factors like the federal uh, stimulus programs that we've talked about, these benefit programs, because that is a very uh, lively debate in the House of Commons. So this, we had the uh, Scotia Bank economists look at this, and where they came at is, you know, it is a factor, but it's not the biggest factor. They said the mm-hmm. spike in inflation um, is 50% uh, due to uh, global events outside of Canada's borders, um... Then uh, another 35% or so is supply chain issues. And then only about 12% is detri- attributed to the federal programs. The impact is not zero. It's it's not the biggest factor, but it is a factor. And it went further and said the impact is actually larger when you look at what the Bank of Canada is doing right now in terms of trying to raise interest rates to cool this inflation because the, the Bank of Canada is focused on uh, on domestic issues, um, it's, it's had kind of an outsized impact on the Bank of Canada's efforts to um, raise interest rates to cool inflation. So the Bank of Canada is now having to raise interest rates by a higher degree now. You know, these federal programs helped Canadians in the moment uh, with short-term um, financial pressures, but you know, there is a cost to that, and that cost comes through higher interest rates. So anybody with a variable mortgage or uh, who is borrowing money is now having to pay more in that, that way.
0: All right. Okay. So... I guess to get back to the main question, Bill, I, I just want to ask you about the fairness of this all here, because some individuals have already repaid money that they were ineligible for. They they did that of their own accord uh, when they got a benefit that they later learned they weren't, they weren't eligible for. Wouldn't it be unfair to them if the government didn't go after the rest of the ineligible benefits that were sent out?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question, and it's uh, a very live debate on Parliament Hill. You've got uh, the NDP... Daniel Blakey, the finance critic, suggested that there should be essentially an amnesty or a waiving of these debts uh, based on income. So the people who are lowest income shouldn't have to pay it back. Mm. Um, It's an interesting consideration because these programs um, generally went to people who are among the lowest uh, income percentiles of in in Canada. So uh, when you think of you know you hear the big numbers twenty seven billion, uh, you know do you do you really want as a government to uh, go shake down some of the lowest income uh, individuals in the country at a time when they're already dealing with uh, higher inflation that we were just discussing? So that's one issue. Um, we put that to the Auditor General. Karen Hogan said, you know, if, if that's their thinking in not aggressively pursuing this, then they should just say so, uh, which they haven't. And then Carla Qualtro, the employment minister, gave a pretty interesting answer when we uh, we put it to her this week. Where she said, you know, it is an interesting debate about how to uh, how to deal with this matter. But she pointed out, as you just did, that there is a question of fairness. That mm-hmm. in the early days, because CERB kind of went in waves, they did actually claw back some benefits uh, when people got paid too much at the start. They would have got paid less in, in future installments. So some of that clawback has already occurred. So if some people have already had to pay it back, is it fair to go after others who haven't yet paid it back? Mm -hmm. She insists that the government is, in fact, uh, identifying all the people who owe money and is trying to find a balance between collecting this and not, uh, in her words, jamming Canadians. So she's looking at things like payment plans. Uh, I mean, the government ultimately is... uh, in charge of tax collection so they can, uh, they can make adjustments come tax time if you owe money. So there's ways for them to collect this money. Uh, they are uh, just a little vague in terms of how they're going about it.
0: Wow. Uh, Bill, it was great to talk to you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Manika. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show.